Hello and welcome to the RevOp Show. More importantly, welcome to the last episode of our Best of RevOp Show series. Thank you all so much for the love and support that you've given us and shown us over the past six weeks. This series has been a lot of fun to put together. We hope you enjoyed our favorite episodes. With this episode, sales and sales strategy is where Doug comes from. It will always hold a special place in his heart. It's also the quote unquote last mile for organizations. Doug sees too often companies that are getting 80 to 90% of it right only to falter when it comes to implementing their sales approach and methodology. If you want to scale growth, you must master a methodology. And in this episode, we're resharing Doug does one of his favorite things dispels popular myths to provide a no BS perspective on what works. So, with that, let's get into the episode. Yes. Wow, I actually got a response here. Usually I do that and it's like, Doug. I don't think it's like that. You're exaggerating. It's not that low energy. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> hey, so uh, um, I was talking to somebody earlier today. Mm-hmm. They had a request um, for oh, me to I ask you something this. on the show. What? They wanted to know what's up with the pause button. <laughs> who who asked this? Who James who is James? James feeding... asked, like, you know what? Because because he said, you know what? If you would do that, like he thinks that there'd be a good big market for it. Do you, do you think so, James? Really, really? Thanks. <laughs> he thinks it would produce an awful lot of revenue. Well, it probably would. He said we might have to change our name to support it. I said, you know what, James? I think if we could create the pause button, I think we could call us whatever we want. I and think we could. He, so, so Jess, what's up so with the pause button? So it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I, I didn't say uh, there was. I there was no um, there was no blame being placed here. Um, as soon as I don't have to wrangle and herd cats every day, I'll have time to work on the pause button. I'll tell you what. That's my answer. I'll tell you what. If you can get the pause button done, I will take all other responsibilities that are holding you up. You just tell me what's holding you up. That's scary. (laughs) The scary thought. You're going to take responsibility for everything. That that's that's a scary thought. No, no. I said I'm going to take the responsibility off of you for everything. Like I'll you're going to take other people for it if you will get the pause button. Okay. Deal. (laughs) Deal. Lift will be no more. (laughs) I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm, I don't think I can count on that. You don't think but so? You, know, you don't Jess, trust me? You know, Jess, you can't ruin my week. This has been a good week. Do you know why? Why? Do you not know what happened this week? I it need you to be more specific. There's a lot of things that I've lived. I've lived five lifetimes this week, Doug. <laughs> There's something that, that is shouts renewal that happened this week. What is that? Pitchers and catchers reported. To oh, people. pitchers and catchers reported. Okay. All right. I should have, I should have known. Shame on me. Should have known what you were talking about. How could you have not been aware of that? (laughs) I don't know. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't announced as as, uh, prominently as it normally is. So I usually get a, I usually get a guess what, do you know what today is? Pitchers and catchers report. You know what that means, Jess? What? 
It means you need to start boning up so that when we talk about the starting lineup for the 1975-76 Cincinnati Reds. It does. <laughs> that I right. have that on deck and ready to go. Yes. Because I think if you mess up the Reds lineup again, I think your dad might disown you. That's not that's not an inaccurate statement. I mean, there, there's a there's a possibility that that could happen. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He still talks about that. <laughs> so, Chicken Wing, you know who that is, don't you? No, that's Joe Morgan. Is that Joe Morgan? Okay. Remember, he used to pop his elbow up and down. Yes, I I, Call, I know his swing was weird. I didn't know that. Called Chicken Wing. There we go. Called Chicken Wing. It was that was just his version of. Wagging his hands. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, are we talking, talking about, about today? Other than baseball today? Well, you're the one. <laughs> Jess, you're the host. This is my fault. Okay. This See, is, everything's, everything's my the, fault. This is your show. I'm just, uh, <laughs> you're just, I'm just you a just guest. Show up. I'm just a permanent guest. <laughs> even though, even though, because the license is mine, it says that I'm the host and you're the guest. It's actually, yes. It's not accurate. Well, you have no authority. So I have no authority. Yes, yeah. That is. So, so you uh, shared a uh, research report with me. Is that what the... you call it? <laughs> is that what I call it? <laughs> New research from Florida State University. <laughs> new research from Florida State University. Yes. Not just research. It's new research, Doug. Yes. <laughs> It was actually my brother who asked me if I was familiar with it. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Around sales methodologies. So I want to start with what is sales methodology, Doug? Let's start there. So what is sales? What is, what is a sales methodology? Like what do I think a sales methodology is or what is the research referring to as a sales methodology? I want to start with what do you think a sales methodology is? So a, a sales methodology is the, it's the je ne sais quoi. Well, that's helpful. It, 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 it's the, the modus operandi, the, the MO, it, it's, it's the approach. It's the set of rules, the activities, the order, the protocols, the deliverables that you go through as you progress through the sales process. So, so the sales process is um, the value chain. Mm-hmm. The methodology is so the sales process is the what, mm-hmm. um, the methodology is the how. Okay. And and not just not just not top line how, it it's 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 the operational rules how. Okay. Okay. That's not how this report talks about sales methodology. <laughs> so, how does this how how do they define sales methodology, Jess? Um, they, they kind of talk about two, they, they talk about three methodologies. They talk about high value sellers, relational sellers, um, and provoking sellers. And that's how they frame up methodology. So what they're saying, and, and so, so let's, let's kind of take a step back here. They're, they're basically calling, if if I remember correctly, um, they're talking about, you know, like the, the research was to redefine or define what is the best sales methodology. And what they defined or called a sales methodology was there's relational selling, mm-hmm. there's value selling, there's consultative selling, right? there's challenger selling, there's provoker selling. Yep. Right. 
And and so a lot of this, um, and and I know there's a company that was, I'm pretty sure sponsored this because I saw this on their website too. Um, you know, they wanted to investigate what is the best method, what is the best methodology? And they're finding, they decided to coin this term, you know, sales agility. Agile. And the idea was, what? Agile sales. <laughs> right. And, and, and so their idea, their finding was that um, there is no one best methodology. The best, highest performing salespeople practice all methodologies, which is when that started to make my head hurt. That's kind of when I stopped digging much deeper into the report because, you know, at best, you can call those things styles. You can't call them methodologies. Yeah, and and I think I think where I was bothered by by some of what they were talking about in the report is I feel like it really really waters down the sales process and sales methodology. Like like they like they're and and I get you have to simplify for understanding, but well, the, no, go on. the 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 way the way that I interpreted it is we're more talking about cohorts of of selling, so, which I think is what you're saying by style. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, so I wouldn't even call them cohorts, by the way. So, mm -hmm. so he, here's what this came about is, is challenger sales, the best sales. Cause, cause what, what the challenger research, and I want to emphasize the book was called the challenger sale. The research was, has been dubbed actually, the challenger research. Right? I actually got it out to pro for that. <laughs> right. Um, and, 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 and so the finding of challenger sale was and 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 everyone kind of forgets that cha the, the finding of challenger sale was not what challenger sale went in to find mm -hmm. what they did was they they went in basically with no clear hypothesis they wanted to identify what were key drivers of it was a big sales research project and in as they started putting the data together they started to see some patterns emerge and they identified five different archetypes of sales approaches Right. And I don't remember them exactly, but there was the relationship seller. There was the hard worker. There was the problem solver. Yep. There was one other. And then there was what they dubbed the challenger. And, and in a lot of ways, the four, the non-challengers, there's a lot of commonality between all of them. Lone wolf. Um, oh, the lone wolf. There you go. That's right. There um, and, and by the way, what they found was that, that the top sellers fit the challenger model at, at, you know, disproportionately, it's like the percentage of people who fit the challenger archetype mm -hmm. to the percentage that were top performers. Right. Right. And then lone wolf, by the way, was the second, second place. The problem with lone yeah. wolf is you can't replicate it. Right. Right. Now, right. What, what came from that is people started calling it the challenger method. Right. And, and even in the book, a little bit, it started to, to go into some methodology you know, and Matt Dixon and Brent Adamson can can yell at me if they want. Um, by the way, for those of you wondering, we interviewed Matt on an earlier episode um, about his most recent book. Um, the research wasn't about methodology. Right. The research was about that what they found. And, and by the way, I should also point out that it was it was representative to complex, high value, complex sales. Right. Um, they found the data was very different in simple sales. So, so again, what are you selling is an important element of the research. And, and, and again, this was research. It was not a methodology. They started giving methodology because they probably, who's going to buy a book that's just a research report. Right. 
and and then people started, you know, emerging out of, you know, you have to be a challenger. Um, and people started calling their whatever sales thing they were selling. They started, we started calling it uh, insider, uh, insight selling, point of view selling, provoker selling, you know, all, all of these different things came about. And, and And by the way, when you talk about challenger, value selling and consultative mm-hmm. selling, Mm-hmm. They're the same thing, <laughs> right? Well, they're calling provoke provoker selling, which is kind of my my mind that almost translates from challenger and high value is two different things. In this, in so, this so it it doesn't. You can't say provoker comes from uh, challenger, and the reason I say that is because we started using the word provoker and mm-hmm. talking about a provoke approach to sales before Challenger came out. So I just want to make sure that, that okay. we're on the record. Here. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I didn't get into reading. I mean, value selling is selling based on value, right? It's selling right. based on the, okay, well, well, how, how is that different from consultative selling? Consultative selling is don't just yeah. sell your features and benefits. You're selling a solution, right? Okay. Right. right. See, see that, 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 that's a why aspect. Because by the way, how do I how do I sell a solution if I'm not establishing value? And what Challenger Research said, how do you establishing value if you're mm-hmm. not challenging? If if all you're doing is coming in and reiterating what the person already knows, then you're not generating any value, right? right? The, like the key finding in that I think from from Challenger Research was the best salespeople disrupted their customer how their customers thought about things right and 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 so they were comfortable making their customers uncomfortable the the three relational models which i think of them as relational models relationship selling hard work or problem solver mm-hmm. they're comfortable when you're comfortable right right now a lot of people misunderstood challenger a lot of people took offense at it they're like well you know people don't want to buy from jerks well, nowhere in the <laughs> in the book did it say be a jerk. As a matter of fact, the way they defined ta- challenge was teach, tailor, take control, or what I would say, teach, tailor, and command. Right. Right. Well, y- if you find people that have really good command, it, in in an instant they could be a jerk and take command. But but you don't maintain command with people that don't have relationship skills. Right. So there there's no sale. There's no situation where you're wrong on everything. I have to change what you think about everything. Right. Right. If, if you're that far off, then no sales going to be made. So, so can I be a good challenger if I'm never relational? Of course I can't be a good challenger if I'm not relational. Right. So, so this whole, and again, I'll go back to what, you know, everyone wants to call their, their selling system something different because that way they can trademark it and they can sell it as something unique. Right. And, and, and so what the findings of this research were, was that the best salespeople challenge slash provoke. They don't sell features and benefits. They demonstrate and create value and they establish relationships. I, I don't know. That's so here's my question. How does that, by, by the way, some other stuff that I saw on it, there was some video that I, that I watched on it. I didn't want to expose you to too much. <laughs> Talk about the fact that they that they were that they actually replicate it. They were able to replicate the challenge research, which mm-hmm. was, I'm assuming, you know, that the challenge led to 
better outcomes. Right. So, so was the research that the best salespeople challenged and were also good people to work with? Yeah, I think that's, I, I, I would, I'm, I think that's important. Right. So, so like the, 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 the problem with this and the reason I think that we want, that I wanted to talk about this is that there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole element and I see it happening all the time. We're just so reductive that, that we we're so reductive. We become useless. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I mean, don't, I mean, no disrespect to Florida state to, to the Seminoles of Florida state. Though, so, <laughs> you know, I'm a Maryland fan, so never been much for FSU. <laughs> but I don't understand what this research is trying to say. Where the, the, the idea of trying to create this new term of sales agility. By the way, here, here's a takeaway from this. The best, the top performing salespeople, they're chameleon-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we knew that about 50 years ago. Right? But now they have research to back it up. Well, I think we had research on that 50 years ago. Because you know what? In- influence people, they're chameleon-like. Right. They, they're, they're, they're contextual to the group of people that, that they're with. And so we're now calling this agility selling. Right. And, and so what it ends up being like, like anyone that's going out there and saying, okay, we need to be challengers. Mm-hmm. That, that's not helpful. That's not a methodology, right? That, that, that doesn't get into, you know, a, a what, what's my process? What, what, what's the progressive milestone process that, that, that generates whatever outcome I'm trying to generate? Because realize how you're going to sell to a brand new customer versus mm-hmm. how you're going to sell to an existing customer. Like right off the bat, the context is different. Are you going to, are, are you going to follow the same process in both cases? I, I would advise that you not. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, now what's interesting is the underlying methodology mm-hmm. that could be very similar with two different processes. Right. Right. And, and so what, what the methodology is, is getting into the underlying how, and that how has to have an operational element to it, or it just becomes philosophy. And I, and I think like my problem with so much of sales wisdom is that it's, I'm in a provoked mood today, Jess. It's religious <laughs> philosophy. It's religious philosophy? Yes, it's religious philosophy. It really is. You, you you know that it, you know the the positive mental attitude movement the whole Norman Vincent Peale stuff thinking grow rich mm-hmm. all all that was 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 manifesting the the various religious movements it was a non sectarian religious movement that really I mean if you can there's a lot of really really interesting research on that and and all all you're doing is selling different variations of God <laughs> boy we have really gotten down <laughs> we are yes. Um, and, and so, you know, look, I love philosophy I know. to be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> I, I, I think philosophy is really valuable because philosophy gets into the how. Right. I'm sorry. Not in the how it gets into the why. The what? The why. Yeah. The why. Right. Um, and, and, and so there, there, there really is a, like good philosophy helps bring depth. It helps bring more meaning to what you're doing so that there's. Um, 
not not all philosophy, good philosophy. Does. So, so like, I'm not saying there's not a point to that. And, and, right. and so I think that the argument about relationship selling versus challenger selling, I think what the argument is, is like, like to me, challenger selling involves relationship, right? But it goes into, right. you know, one of my favorite blog posts is, do you have a relationship or an acquaintanceship? This, this might sound a little bit arrogant, but I get a lot of credit and I think it's undeserved. I get a lot of undeserved credit for being really smart and for being mm -hmm. really intelligent in, in a sales interaction. And I think, I mean, I'm, it's a, I'm willing to admit that I'm smart. I'm, I'm willing to admit that here today. Um, no, but I don't, uh, I, I think the reason that I have success and I'm able to manage things where others aren't is I don't want to say that I'm not afraid to go. I don't let the fear of going somewhere get in the way of, of the action that I need to take. Right. So, so if I see something that, that looks like it could be a problem, it looks like it's something that could prevent a sale from occurring. I'm not, a, I don't avoid going. There. Right. Right. If, if I disagree with you, I'm not afraid to disagree with you. Right. Right. Um, if, if I have a meeting with you, especially early on and we agree on everything and you're finishing my sentences, I don't go back and go, wow, that was a great call. Mm -hmm. We got along great. It's we are like we we are kindred spirits. I'm like, hey, that's great. You know what? If you're going to a ball game, I want to be your kindred spirit. Right. If I'm trying to get you to do something in a way that you weren't already doing it, if I'm not getting any resistance, I don't I don't know what to do. So so if if the takeaway of this is top sellers bring relationship elements, bring consultative elements, bring mm -hmm. value elements, bring challenger elements, bring value elements. Mm -hmm. Well, then guess what? You're, you're in the challenger model. Right. Right. And, and, and so like the, the tribalism of it, like th there are some authors, some sales authors and some sales thought leaders. I, I like their stuff a lot, but I also think, I don't know how operative it is sometimes. So, so, like you've got to break, you know, actually, here's what it comes. I'm sorry. I, that, that's probably the wrong thing there. there so when you're looking at the world of sales, mm -hmm. you, you've got to, you've got to look at it um, through two lenses. There's the lens of the individual performer and there's the lens of the organization. And so if you look at the bulk of the sales training industry, the sales thought leadership industry, the sales advisor industry, they are in the business of trying to create top performing salespeople. Mm -hmm. I want to make you great. That is not the same thing as enabling an organization to build a great sales organization. You don't build a great sales organization by having individually great salespeople. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want every salesperson on my team working to get better. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for the person to come in that talks about sales skills and sales techniques and, and how you do these things so that you can individually be better. But if I'm doing that without a clear process and methodology, yep. then what I'm getting is a lone wolf sales organization. Right. What, I, yeah, what you also need what to understand, thinking. what you also need to understand is, it doesn't matter what you do, your average salesperson will be your average salesperson. Why do you say that? 
now, now to be to be clear, I'm not saying the average sales in the individual will always be the same individual. What I'm saying is, it doesn't matter what the situation is. If I put a group of people together mm-hmm. and I bring their performance together, I'm going to have a top 10. percent I'm going to have a top quintile, a second quintile, oh, a third quintile, a fourth saying. quintile, okay. a fifth quintile, and my okay. average is going to be my average. Okay, I follow you now. All right. Okay. So you're not many, saying you couldn't train, a, you couldn't get a coach or train an average salesperson to be a great salesperson. You're just saying your average is always going to be your average. <laughs> I'm saying there's always going to be an average. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I'm saying that that from an individual standpoint, mm-hmm. go for it. You should absolutely be striving to be great. From an organizational standpoint, mm-hmm. you've got to identify what your center point is. Right. So I want my average rep to be above average. Sure. Yeah. Right. But here's, so I, I've got bad news and I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound down or difficult. The likelihood, the highest probability outcome for an average salesperson is they'll be an average salesperson. Will some average salespeople become great salespeople? Yes, they will. Okay. Can you predict who they are? I don't believe you can. Will most average salespeople become great salespeople? No, they can't. From an organizational standpoint, now, by the way, when you're small and you've got two, three, four, five, maybe even seven to 10 salespeople, mm-hmm. go for great. Go for great. Yeah. Once you get above that, the cost of great, mm-hmm. A, it's really big. By the way, and I'm not just talking about the cost of what you have to reward the salesperson. Right. I'm talking about, like, think about this, Jess. I, I, th- I, think, I think you'll agree here. Uh, I hate saying this because this actually really makes me feel arrogant. Um, I'm, I'm great at sales. I'm a great salesperson. Yeah. You know, you are, you are. Yeah. I, I, and I've done enough in enough different industries. Like I can't imagine that, that there's an organization out there that, that wouldn't want me selling for them. Right. I'm sure there is one, but I can't imagine. (laughs) Can you imagine, let's say you're an organization, got a hundred salespeople. Uh huh. Can you imagine if every one of them was me, I was going to say, don't say it. No, no, I can't. Right. No, it'd be, it, it, no. it, right. What, what's the real value that I bring as a great salesperson to an organization? One is I'm going to provide outlier outcomes. Yep. Which is, which is what is going to, which is going to be a key contributor to superior out, you know, to, 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 to quote unquote beating your number. Right. But utilizing me correctly, and, and if you think about what we do here at Lyft, it's so much about what we do, mm-hmm. is you'd be looking, you know, what are the things that I'm doing different? See, see the idea of be a great salesperson is whether you're saying it or not. And, and obviously, I don't mean it literally that you're literally what I'm about to say. What you're saying is be like, let's say Bill is the great salesperson. Be like mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. Right? That, that's what be a great salesperson is. Be like Bill. Well, yeah, yeah. Go on. No, I was going to say that was that was the interesting thing about about this whole me kind of reading through the whole report is I'm like, well, this this seems like they're trying to take a very paint by numbers approach to to sales coaching. And certainly I agree with what you're saying on methodology. But we talk about kind of allowing agency. And and I don't think that you can I don't think you can. So everybody's not the same. You brought up. 
you put a whole lot together in there. That's really <laughs> interesting that I hadn't thought about. So, so the first mm-hmm. is, I can see why you're saying paint by numbers, mm-hmm. but I actually view it as the exact opposite of paint by numbers. And and, and the reason I say that is, I, I read most of the report. Mm-hmm. And every time I picked it up and read it, I said, okay, this might be true, but what good does it do me? What am I supposed to do with right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. I gotcha. And, and, but again, I kind of get that where that there's a paint by numbers aspect to it. Like use all Jess, use all five of your senses. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the best salespeople use all five senses. <laughs> oh, I bet they do. Right. Right. Um, Agency. So, so here, here again. So let's go back. Be like Bill. Yeah. Um. Now, now, where I would say that there's a degree to what I'm talking about, they're actually embracing the agency. Is it's not be like Bill, be exactly Bill. It's look as a you know. Here's what Bill does great is he knows when to push on the gas pedal and when to let go. You've got to know when to push on the gas pedal and when to let go. Right. I'm sure you've heard right. advice like that in the past. Right. Yeah. Right. The good people know the rules. The great ones know when to break them. To be great, you got to know when to break them. Right. What am I supposed to do with that? So I, so I break, Hey, 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 Jess, you miss a hundred percent of the shots. You don't take. (laughs) Right. Why are you sending a proposal to this guy? Yeah. Well, you told me I miss a hundred percent of the shots. You don't take. Well, the great scorers, they know when to take a shot and when not to take a shot. Yeah. Right. It's funny when I say this. No, I know, but I, but it's funny because it's true. <laughs> right. And, and so what you do is you look at Bill and you say, what is Bill doing? And, and how can we enable that to happen more systematically, less structural, less, I mean, less, less behaviorally, less individually, right? How can I apply this? How can I build this in like IBM? built the greatest sales organization in the history of the world. They're not that anymore, but they built the greatest organization in the history of the world. They did not do that by hiring superior salespeople. They did not do that by optimizing their sales process for the top 10 or 20%. Right. Yeah. What they did. And and by the way, if you look at it, here's the thing. If you've got a good, robust sales organization, I'm going to share two thoughts on this. If you've got a good, robust sales organization, you're going to find that you're going to have a top 10 to 20%. And I don't, I mean, you are, of course, always by definition going to have a top 10 or 20%, but you're going to, you know, you're going to have outlier reps that emerge. And, and the interesting thing is all the things that you do organizationally, coaching, training wise, sales system, sales process, all of those things will have at best moderate impact on your great salespeople. Right. And, and, and by the way, so if you're looking at your best salespeople, if you're looking at your great salespeople as the data and the key for what to do. What you're going to find is you're going to bring less process, less methodology, because you're going to find, A, it doesn't have that much of a difference, and B, they have more variance. They're, they're, they're more likely to break the rule than, than others, right? And, and, and if you think about it, you could throw me into just about any sales situation, and, and I'm going to figure out a way to sell. Well, and so we've, we've actually seen this with with sales organizations where we've, where we've done consulting on, on sales process mm-hmm. where they, they take Bob 
who's their top salesperson said, well, I want to make everybody like Bob. Well, no. And you also don't want to change Bob because Bob's, Bob's performing well. It's like you said, you, we got to identify what is, what are those pieces that Bob's doing that we could apply to others. And I think that's where I'm talking about pain by numbers here. So, so, so the sweet spot, (laughs) the sweet spot for sales organization is what are you doing for the 25th percentile rep to the 60th, maybe 65th percentile rep to move their performance curve. What you'll find is you have far more room to move it. So you'll gain far more juice and there's more reps. Yep. Right. That's the place. And, and, and by the way, there are a lot more 25th to 65th percentile reps in the market. There are a lot more 25th to 65th percentile reps looking to ramp up than right. there are 10th to 20th percentile reps, right? Now, here's the next thing. If you are a top rep, if you are a top salesperson and you want to be in sales and realize one of the challenges that you have, right? I am, I, I think it's safe to say I meet the all the criteria of a great rep of a top rep, except for one. What is that? So, you know, people from time to time talk to us about buying, acquiring. Some people talk about, have you thought about selling? And, yeah. and, and I've had, you know, a bunch of people say to me, you know, Doug, it doesn't take me a long time to know that if I were in charge, I would have you do one thing and one thing only. You would be out there talking to prospects and selling. Right. And I'm like, there's only one problem with that. That's not what I want to do all day. So that's the attribute of a top rep that I don't meet. I don't want to be a rep. I made the decision that I want to grow a company. Right. right. And, and lots of top reps do that. Because by the way, if you can generate customers, you can, can do a lot of different things. But let's say we've got the rep who's a top rep, wants to be a top rep, et cetera. When, when, you know, wants to be in sales, loves it, et cetera. And, I, and I've got, I'm looking at this company and their product market fit isn't quite there. Um, it's kind of confusing. The message is unclear. There's not a lot of structure in place, not a lot of pieces. Um, and I got this other one and it's a freaking machine. They've got lead generation. They're known. They're a leader in the market. People are, which, which company am I going to? The, the, the second one. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you want a top rep, Mm -hmm. you better have a product or service that's really easy to sell because everybody wants a top rep. And so they get to choose where to go. Right. And they know they're going to generate a lot more juice for the squeeze by going to the place where the product is easy to sell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a blog post on this. It's, it's an excerpt. Um, It's where I shared some video from uh, Silicon Valley. Um, When Action Jack, was saying, um, you know, well, we can't do that. It's going to make the product more difficult to sell. And Richard says, <laughs> well, well, Jack, you keep talking about how we've got the best salespeople. Wouldn't shouldn't the best salespeople be able to sell a product that's a little bit more difficult? He's like, oh, no, no, no. If you want the best reps, you got to make, <laughs> got to make the product easy to sell. Cause right. So, so yeah. if you want the top rep, you better have a product or service easy to sell. Right. But now think about this. If I built a system and structure mm-hmm. to make the product easy to sell, should I need a top rep to do it? No. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is make sure your product service is easy to sell. That's all about structure and methodology. Right. So that like 
I don't like if you have to think about am I being a challenger or am I being a right and 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 here so here's something else I I'd actually love to see I should actually email Matt on this I'd love them to 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 repeat some of this because repeat some of the research I'd, I'd be curious to see what what would have changed because what they did you know in the research that they did they didn't look for who's trying to be a challenger right. 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 There was no preconceived notion. Right. Yeah. They found that top reps, when they started looking for commonalities, did this thing. They tailored, they taught, they took control, which challenged. They changed the viewpoint of. And and so the 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 difficulty is for, for and it drives me crazy because for 70 years we've treated sales from a behavioral perspective. With yeah. more and more and more of the research showing that it that it's system and structure, and by the way, what this means is that salespeople get far far too much credit when things work well, and they get far mm -hmm. far too much blame when they don't. Yeah, right? we've talked about that before. And yeah. and and so, what the point of this is, and the RevOps element of this is, is structure and approach is two thirds, maybe eighty percent of the outcome. Does does that not mean that the person doesn't matter? Of course, that doesn't mean that. But if I want to unlock your genius, mm -hmm. I can't have you having to think about your how. Right. 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 And and so whatever you do, like I, I like the term point of view sales because it's kind of funny. I, I believe in point of view sales. I don't, well, no, you have a point. Your sales process has a point of view. <laughs> and, and, and your point of view might be anarchy. We believe in right. anarchy. Right. Um, and, and, and so we spend so much time talking about sales comp, talking about sales incentives, talking about hiring. Yeah. Right. When, when the reality is that would be like me recruiting a sports team, like me recruiting a baseball team, but I haven't defined what are the key mechanics of baseball. Right. Mm -hmm. In in baseball and you know, any sport, any performance, there are certain elements, systems and structures that you know that you're looking for. Right. And most most organizations have the system. They're looking for a type of player. Right. So, again, the player matters. Right. But the context of the player, candidly, no one likes to say this. It actually matters more. Especially if you're looking at this from an organizational standpoint. So if I want to scale growth, if I want to generate more predictability, if I want to lower my cost of growth, I've got to shift the middle. Mm -hmm. That's where my that's where the juice is. Right. That doesn't mean don't have outstanding performers. Right. Sure. But it's course. a different viewpoint. It's a different mindset. And and you can't be reductive there. Right. You can't just take a Hey, we're going to do Miller Hyman. Hey, we're going to do Richardson. Hey, we're going to do Sam. Oh. Right? That's not, <laughs> I mean, that they all have good stuff. Right. No, 100%. Right. Yeah. I mean, for those of you that don't know, like Lyft used to be Imagine, Imagine started, we were going to be a sales training company. And I, and I had built a whole methodology and, and we were going to take on the Sandlers, Miller Hyman's, Richardson's of the world. And then right. I finally realized, I'm like, you know what? I don't care what methodology you have, as long as you have mm -hmm. with the methodology clear, then we can build around that and drive results and outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. so like, that's the, like, that's the real research.
And and so why is that so hard to adopt? Why is it so hard to adopt? Why is it so hard for organizations to adopt? So I don't think it's hard to adopt. I think it's hard to accept. It's hard to accept. What do you mean by that? Well, when you say why is that so hard to adopt, what do you, what is the that to which like, you refer? Like why is it so why I guess let me reframe. Yeah, I didn't ask the question. Well, why do we put this focus more on on the reps and less on sales methodology? Like why why like like why is it so hard for us to frame Did I ever did I ever tell you the the, the name of the first book that I wanted the first business book I came up with that I wanted to write? Was it, I don't know, I think it was, some, was it something with parenthood? <laughs> no, 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 that's a book I like, wrote. That's a book I wrote. Oh, okay, that's a book you wrote. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> actually, the first book I wanted to write was a sales perspective was Long Days and Slow Elevators. <laughs> the, life of a sales, the life of a salesperson. Did it? It was my take on death of a salesperson. Yeah, I got but it. But I remember I was, I was at a, it was a Days Inn or something, like a three-story Days Inn, and we were, we, you know, we hit, there was somebody standing next to me, and we you know, like, we're waiting, you know, we'd hit the up button, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting, you know, one of those and just kind of, we're both side, like at the same time. I'm like, yep, long days and slow elevators. And it like hit me. I'm like, that'd be a name. That'd be a great name for a book. Good, Don't you think that name. would really be a good name? Good name. So um, the next one was um, change my company, but don't change me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, you did tell right. you have told me that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, look, in some ways it would be nice if it was just behavior, just be really good at this. Right. By the way, yeah. as an individual, um, remember we're back to selling God here. One one of the <laughs> elements of one of the elements of Americana is we're rugged individualists. Right, we were the pioneers. We remember, yeah. Remember, from an evolutionary standpoint, Americans were kicked out of. You know, we we like left civilized the civilized world. Yep. To um, so we're very rugged individualists. So so that 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 causes us to. Value that, that that that's why the American culture, more than any other culture, has this worship factor for tech billion. It's always you know moguls right. and icons get because that's just kind of who we are. Right. Um, so you know the approach that I'm talking about. I mean, it requires hard work. It requires thinking. Um, it requires managing complexity. Um, like it's so much easier to say, look, you just need to hire better people. By the way, what I love some of the some of the great research coming out in in um, human resources and hiring, et cetera, mm-hmm. is is how much these these profiles of this person will be successful, that person won't be successful. How how little it's actually individually dependent. Oh it's, yeah, right. You yeah, know, you know everyone can be successful in that job if it's the right place in the right environment. Yep. Um, and that's not to say that every place should be the right place in the right environment for everybody. It should right. Um. So, so it, 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 it's harder. It means you have to embrace the complexity. It, it means that it means that you have to accept that you control a part of the process. You don't control it all. I mean, I read about somebody who, who I read this thing and, and the person told it as this great success story because he saved the person's job. She had worked a $1.1 million deal and lost it. And because of that, they didn't hit their number and they were going to fire the rep. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it, it went down to like the very, very end. They lost it at the end. They were right. And I'm like, you mm-hmm. How would you fire somebody for losing a $1.1 million deal? Yeah. And oh, by the way, if you're dealing with $1.1 million deals, I got news for you. You're going to have highly varying outcomes. Yeah, you're going to lose them. Right? Um, Like how – because it – oh, and by the way, you know, one of the reasons they lost it was because of finance and, you know, they (laughs) – like there's a hundred things that go into it and it's like, hey, guess what? Sorry. You know, it's so much easier to say, 
By the way, the VP well, of sales comes in. What's the fastest? Hey, you know what? The problem here is we got the wrong people. We need to bring, we, we need to bring right. new people. Right. Oh, by the way, if I change the system and the structure, that takes time. That's hard. It's harder to do. It's easier to be reductive and say, we need to be challenger. Oh, you know what? We've ever reacted. We need to be relational. Oh, wait, we need to be. <laughs> right. You need to be all so, those I things, mean, Doug. So, so I agree that you need to be like the winning organization of the future brings together all of those attributes. Yes, right. yes, they do. My, my question is, how do you do it so that I'm not just making it up differently every time? Right. Like that, that's where the focus needs to be. So like my problem is, is this got positioned and presented as like there's this interesting, unique, insightful research. And I know people are going to eat it up. Right. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what they're going to do. Is gonna be, if he says, you know what? What we need to do is we need to meld these five things together. That's what. <laughs> and, and, and hopefully this will buy me enough time that somebody else will come along and offer me a bigger package before they realize that this was all just. Uh... You're so cynical. <laughs> I don't think that's cynical. I mean, it's accurate. Right. Okay. I've got some, I've got some uh, takeaways. Um, you don't build a great organization by making great individual salespeople. I think that's, you don't build a great sales organization by making great individual salespeople. By the way, I want to say you, you don't build a great organization by hiring geniuses. Yeah. That's yeah. not to say uh, like what you build a great organization by unlocking genius. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, look at what you're doing for the 25 to 65 percentile and, and how do you move the needle there rather than focusing on the top tier. And then um, I really liked what you said about structure and approaches uh, two thirds to 80 percent of what impacts the the outcomes. I think that's that's not talked about enough. So, yep. Well, there you go. That'll do it. That'll do it fun. today. Jeff, thanks, everybody. Get some sleep. I'm going to try to get to work on that pause button. I will. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps show. I think it's important to remember what Doug mentioned towards the end. You build a great organization by unlocking the genius in your people. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about sales methodologies, email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on Twitter at Demand Creator. Until next time, remember, can't solve your upstream problems downstream.